Well, I believe we've been led in worship this morning, don't you believe? Amen. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Praise the name of the Lord our God. Amen. Amen. Bless you today. We greet you in the name that is above every other name. The name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Now this coming Friday night, we're looking forward to having a time together on Good Friday evening, uh, 6 o'clock, 7 o'clock, a time of worship and the Lord's Supper or communion here in the room, here in the, our worship center. But those of you who are not able to get here, uh, you live somewhere else or are unable to uh, maybe make the trip to the worship center here at Alamo City would encourage you to, um, to make preparations in your own home or wherever you may be with some, some broken bread and some fruit of the vine, and we will, we will walk our way through those precious, amazing steps, remembering the Lord's death until he comes again. According to the scripture, this Friday evening, 6 to 7, it'll be streamed. Uh, so you can pick it up any time that you're able to, but I, I just want to encourage you to be. And then, then Easter's coming, one week from today, Resurrection Sunday. Hallelujah. Amen. He is risen. He is risen indeed. And I, I, I've, been, I've been just asking the Lord that he would speak to uh, those of us who need just to hear a, a yes from the Lord, uh, you know, to get, to get dressed and get in our car and, and drive to a place of gathered worship. It, it's awesome that we're, be, we're able to do what we're able to do with the technical advances, with our high-def streaming and so forth. And, and that, 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 that's, a, that's an awesome and wonderful, blessed privilege that we have to, to just extend what goes on right here out around the world, literally. That being said, though, if, if you can get in your car and come and join with us for the Easter Sunday worship services, 9 o'clock, 11 o'clock, we'd just love to see your faces. I'm telling you, I've been missing your faces. I, I, you know, and, and from about here down, you're kind of having to guess who, you know, blue eyes, brown eyes, green eyes, and who is that right there? But we'll do that as long as we need to. But if, if you know, we've, we've got the freedom to not do masks or do masks, we trust you to make your own decision. But let us just see what the Lord might say. Let, let him speak to your heart. We, we go to HEB and get groceries. We, we hit Whataburger every couple of days or so. You know, we're making our treks around. And, and the Lord may just say, you know, it, it, this is Easter, it, it's Easter Sunday. Won't, won't you get up and... Join my people in the, in, the, in the house of the Lord, and, and uh, we'll look forward to seeing each other. And, and we put that back to you. There's not a, we're not trying to guilt trip anybody or saying you better be here. The Lord will let you know, won't he? My sheep hear my voice. I know them, and they follow me. So, so let's, we'll leave it in his hand. But, you know, big ears and a little mouth this week. Lord, just, just speak to us and tell us what you'd like for us to do. Now, this morning, I, I, I just heading toward Easter, heading toward that celebration of, uh, of, of the resurrection of the Lord. Um, here, here's what I want to talk to you about. Power over your greatest struggle. 
power over your greatest struggle. The big one. The big one. Now, I know some folks, if you saw our little, our little graphic that was attached to the message, there, some of you might be saying, I don't know what in the world. He's got Muhammad Ali up there knocking somebody out. And how, how spiritual is that, Pastor? Couldn't you come up with something a little nicer than that? No. No. Couldn't do it. And the reason is there are some things in our lives that need a knockout punch. And some of those things that we know we can't deliver or we wouldn't be having this discussion this morning, we need some help. We need some help to take down the things that can comprise our greatest struggle. Now, I want to tell you, there is someone who is able to deliver knockout blows and to cause you and me to walk away from our greatest struggles victorious, with hope in our hearts, with joy being resurrected back in our lives, realizing we've got a future. We've got a future and a hope, and we don't have to be paralyzed. We don't have to be shut down. We don't have to be shackled by that which has ruled over us for so long. Power, power over your biggest struggle. I want to give you four words and jot these down somewhere. Some of you who have such incredibly bright brains, you may just want to etch these in your thinking. But if you can write this down, we'll come back to it probably not only today, but on Easter Sunday as well. It's a fitting subject that ties right into the theme of Easter. Here, here are the four words. Number one, forgiveness, 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 victory, power over your greatest Struggle starts at the place of your forgiveness. Where is that found? Who has delivered that to us? How solid is our forgiveness, our forgiveness, our forgiveness? The second word is filling, filling, filling. The third word is freedom, freedom, freedom. And the fourth word is following, following. Forgiveness, filling freedom, and following, all right? Now remember this. This verse is Titus chapter 3, verses 4 and 5. But when the kindness of God our Savior and His love for mankind appeared, He saved us not on the basis of deeds which we have done in righteousness, but according to his mercy, by the washing of regeneration or the new birth, the new life in Christ, by the washing of regeneration, and catch this, and renewing by the Holy Spirit. He saved us not on the basis of deeds which we have done trying to be righteous, trying to stack up enough right stuff to outweigh all the bad stuff that's on the other end of the scale. That's not how it worked. He didn't save us on the basis of righteousness or unrighteousness. He saved us on the basis of his mercy, his mercy. He looked down at you and looked down at me, and he said, that one, that one right there is going to need my mercy. 
going to need my unmerited favor, going to need my undeserved kindness, going to need my gentleness, going to need my ability to rescue, not them on their own with any ability to rescue themselves, but he saved us on the basis of his mercy by the washing of regeneration, by, by washing us in his blood and causing there to be coming to inhabit our hearts a new life, a new life. But then that phrase, that last part, and by the renewing of the Holy Spirit. By the renewing of the Holy Spirit. Now, who is the Holy Spirit? Paul answered that question. Now, the Lord, the Lord Jesus Christ is the Spirit. The invisible presence of Jesus is at the heart of, if not at the expanse of, who the person of the Holy Spirit is. The invisible presence of Jesus is who the Spirit is. By the renewing of the Spirit of Jesus. That 1 John chapter 3, verse 8 says, The Son of Man, or the Son of God, appeared... For this very purpose, get ready, that he might destroy the works of the devil. The Son of God appeared for this very purpose, this specific purpose, that he might knock out, that he might destroy the works of the devil. Forgiveness, forgiveness is where we find the Lord Jesus meeting us first. If you want to have that place of biggest struggle defeated in your life, it begins at this place of Jesus, the Christ of Nazareth. Knocking on the door of your heart somehow, some way, he's caused you to be aware of his presence. Be aware of his interest in you, his love for you, and that you have at a point in time as a decision from your own heart. Say, Lord Jesus, the best I can, I'm opening the door of my heart and I'm inviting you in. I'm receiving you, Jesus, into my heart. If you want to know the power of God to knock out the places of defeat in your life, it begins first with receiving the one who has the power to do that into your heart. Not outside, not hollering your name, hey, but being able to whisper your name from in here. Christ in you, Christ in you is your hope of glory. So I want to ask you, go back to that time, or can you go back to that time when as a child or as a teenager at a camp or at a, as a young adult at another time or wherever you may have been, where you took that step? We don't get this by osmosis. Jesus coming to live in our hearts doesn't just come by osmosis. As many Christians and good people as I can be around, it just sort of oozes into my heart. No. Whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. 
When did you call upon the name of Jesus? If you hadn't done that yet, do that right now. Don't wait for the preacher to shut up. Walk off in your bathroom or somewhere, close the door and just say, Lord, I don't know that I've ever done this before, but I want you in my heart. It isn't religion. It's not a denomination. It's not a citizenship or an ethnicity. It is you and me, wherever we are, whoever we are, realizing that God loved the whole world. I'm a part of that world because I'm a human, and I want this Jesus to come to live in my heart. You, you pray that simple prayer. You do that. Or you remember when that happened before. And at the place of receiving Jesus, what you're doing is that you're receiving what he accomplished for you and me on the cross. Why is the cross the symbol of the Christian church? It's because that is the place where Jesus, as the scripture would say, bore our sins, our sins, in his body on the tree. He wasn't put to death for his own sins. He was put to death for our sins. But because he paid the price of his own death, when we put our faith and trust in what Jesus did for us in our place and our behalf on the cross, we receive the benefit of his death. What is the benefit of his death? That the wages of sin have been paid. That there is no longer a debt between us and God, or, or a right for Satan to rule our lives because we have sin that hasn't been atoned for, sin that hasn't been confessed. No, we're forgiven. We're forgiven. We're forgiven through the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ, through what Jesus accomplished on the cross. If you've not opened your heart up to Jesus yet, ever before, I will encourage you to do that right now. Right where you sit, right where you stand, right where you're driving. Lord Jesus, come into my heart and save me. I need you to rescue me. Now, let me tell you something else. This may sound to some of you a little heretical. I, I hope it doesn't. You know what I believe is not an insult to the Lord Jesus, but is a blessing to him? When those of us who may have prayed that prayer, given that invitation years ago, rise up in the morning. Brand new week, brand new day, brand new set of all kinds of stuff going on. And all over again to rear back with our hearts wide open toward heaven. Lord Jesus Christ, I invite you into my heart. I receive you as my Savior and as my Lord. I receive the cleansing power of your blood into my life today. Jesus, I receive you into my life again today. Some folks can say, well, I did that way back yonder. I, well, you know, you, 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 you took a wedding vow way back yonder, and you married a woman or a man way back yonder. Is that just supposed to be past history, or is that supposed to be present enjoyment? And I'm telling you, it's supposed to be the present, and it's right now. Lord Jesus, save me today. Lord Jesus, rescue me today. That name for save means to forgive. It means to rescue. The saving has to have to do with our sins being forgiven. He's saving us from our sins, the penalty of our sins. And his heart is to save us from the power of our sins. Okay, let me throw you a curveball here. Forgiveness 
is not the same as deliverance. Forgiveness is not necessarily the same as deliverance. Forgiveness is about sins that we have committed, sins that we would commit, sins that would are yet to be committed. But when Jesus went to the cross, he died for all sins, for all mankind, forever. So we're not having to ask him when we come up with some new sin or when an old sin becomes freshly baked and served and we take it today. We're not having to pray, oh Jesus, when you died on that cross, you just, you weren't thinking about this one. I need to tell you about what I've done so that maybe you can come and die on the cross again for this sin. No, no. Just as he knows all the good about you, he knows all the rotten stuff, stinky stuff, bad stuff, sour stuff about us. And when he went to the cross, he paid it all. He paid it all. He paid it all. Oh, oh, the joy of that. But folks, listen, forgiveness is not the same as deliverance. Forgiveness has to do with the sins and the forgiveness of sins. Deliverance has to do with the power and the victory over the power of sin, such that we are not forever doomed to have to repeat and repeat and repeat. Go back to the Lord, ad infinitum, Lord, forgive me of this, Lord, forgive me for this, Lord, forgive me. His mercy is unending. His mercy is free and full. But there's something more that he wants. Not just for us to know that we are forgiven, but he wants you to know that by his power you can be delivered. Delivered from the power of that sin. To own you. To define you. To rule over your life. To capture you. To rob from you. Your future. Deliverance. It's a part of salvation. It's beyond the payment for specific sins. That's where this second word comes in. Forgiveness. The word filling. The filling. The filling of the Holy Spirit. The filling of the Spirit. Who? who, who, who? The Spirit of the Lord is the Spirit of Jesus. Well, who is he? He's the Easter Savior, meaning he died. He was in the grave for parts of three days, but on Easter Sunday morning, he rose. Death could not hold him. Satan and all the demons could not keep him in the grave. He was raised on account of, as Paul would write, our justification. On the basis of the fact that Jesus accomplished everything that the law demanded against your sins and my sins, Jesus paid that price in full. And because he paid the price in full, the Father raised the Son from the dead. 
If your forgiveness had not been complete, then there would still be bones and genetic stuff in that grave, in that, in that cave, that, 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 that grave in Jerusalem. But because he satisfied the law's demands, there's nothing Satan can ever say about you that you have done that Jesus has not already paid the price for. Satan will come and bare his teeth and growl and lash and, and, and make his threats. But the truth is, when Jesus said from the cross, it is finished. The price is paid. The debt is paid. All who come to me are forever free from the guilt of their sins. Hallelujah. But that's still not the same as being delivered from the power of sin. That's where the resurrected Jesus pouring out his spirit upon and into the church, those who had received him as Savior and Lord, filling them with his power, now have the ability that is beyond their trying hard, beyond their trying to keep up with the examples of how to live and how not to live, but simply but massively being renewed, being changed by the power of the Spirit of Jesus inside us, now to be able to say no to Satan's lies, no to fear, no to repeated failure, and to say yes to the things that are God's heart by the power of the filling of his spirit, by the power of the filling of his spirit. Can I ask you the question, another question? Not only when did you receive Jesus into your heart for forgiveness, but this question, when have you begun to pray and how regularly do you pray? Lord Jesus Christ, you who died on the cross for my sins, I ask you, to fill me with your power over sin. I ask you to fill me with your power over fear. I ask you to fill me with your power that would keep me from having to go back to the places of failure and shame in my life. Folks, if we don't get this next step, we're going to spend all our time praying confession prayers instead of praying conquering prayers. Lord, forgive me. Lord, forgive me. Lord, forgive me. We can. We can pray that. We can't ever wear that out. But what if the Lord today is saying, I want you to know more than just my power to forgive. I want you to know my power to defeat the greatest struggles in your life. Forgiveness and filling. Jesus would say in Acts chapter 1, verse 8, we've been over this many times, he would say to forgiven people, the, the ones he was talking to, 40 days following his resurrection, he taught on the subject of the kingdom of God. He had to have explained to them what his death was all about that he was the suffering servant that Isaiah 53 and other Old Testament prophecies had foreshadowed and had spoken of. 
that he needed to be the one hanging upon the tree, as, as Paul was Saul would get all twisted up on that. Well, how could this Jesus of Nazareth really be the Messiah? Because the Bible says, Moses would say, cursed is everyone who hangs on a tree. That was Saul's proof text as to why he considered Jesus of Nazareth a heretic. And that's why he was getting orders from the high priest to, to imprison ones who were following Jesus until he met the resurrected Jesus who called him by his name and Saul was broken and open. We find it at that place where the resurrected Jesus begins to speak with regard to Saul, who became Paul, who, who, who spoke those words to the early church and, and, and after he had been teaching them for those 40 days. And, and then he, 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 he culminates it by saying, but you shall receive power after that the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you shall be my witnesses. In the power of my spirit, you shall be my witnesses. All of the teaching that he gave, all of the things even with regard to forgiveness and the, and the strength of the forgiveness and looking at Peter and basically saying, Peter, my death on the cross was enough to cover the shame of your rejection of me, your denial of me. You are loved, Simon. You are forgiven, Simon. Shame no longer needs to dominate you and fear of the ones that you were terrified by on the night of that denial no longer has to operate in your life. But folks, Jesus understood that to say, to speak the truth was not going to be enough for his people. He knew that more than truth or in addition to truth, they were going to need power. Power. What kind of power? Power to literally from the heart go past your shame. Peter could have said all during that time, man, I'm, I'm, never, I'm never getting in this game again. I don't ever want to take the bat to swing at a pitch again because I blow it. I fail. You get me in a place and, and, I, and, and I check out. But when Jesus said, there's a day coming, looking to Simon, looking at the others, there's a day coming when you'll receive power. That would mean that the power for shame and defeat to hold Peter captive would be broken, would be gone. Jesus would not take away all of the, all of the, the, the Jewish leadership. The high priest remained the same. All the faces remained the same in the Sanhedrin. All the Roman government officials and military leaders remained the same. And it was those faces and that setting that paralyzed the early church. That they could be thinking, well, if, if, if they did this to Jesus, what in the world is going to happen to us? Fear, failure, shame. Jesus was speaking specifically to that part of the human heart where Satan was attempting to lob his biggest canyon cannon blasts. Shame, fear, failure. And he would say, but you shall receive power 
And the power inside you will be stronger than the power of fear. The the power that I'm giving to you because it is my life coming into you, my power flowing into you, my power is going to be greater than shame. My power is going to be greater than the fear of defeat. My power is going to be greater than fear. But you shall receive power. And then he was taken from them. What did they do? And this is where it presses in, folks. Do you want to stay at the place of being a Christian before that promise of power, or do you want to be a Christian, a follower of Jesus, who's walking in the fulfillment of that promise? They took seriously, and they took personally, the promise of Jesus regarding the power that he wanted them to walk in. And then they gave themselves to praying for it. To pray. Folks, one of the things that is of great concern to my heart is that we've spent so much time in parts of the evangelical church in America hammering forgiveness, hammering the blood of Jesus. And it's the right, it is a right emphasis. But it's not the whole message. If we don't talk to folks about the power that is ours in Christ, that he wants to bless us with, then we're going to be no different than the Old Testament with more sets of impossible rules. Don't, don't, you, don't, you, don't, don't, you, don't you disbehave morally. Don't you, don't you fail to forgive somebody. You better love God way more than stuff. How in the world, honestly, are we going to be able to do that unless we have some help? Unless the one who said, I've came, I have come to destroy the works of the devil, unless he is alive in us. And I'm not talking about just in the brain. I'm talking about you feeling him in your chest. I'm talking about you knowing him in your emotions. I'm talking about the sense of the presence of Jesus. You see, I don't know about that, Pastor. All right, let's just take it to Scripture. Ephesians 3. Praying for the Ephesian church, Paul says, I'm praying that you will be strengthened by his spirit in your inner man, your spirit, so that Christ may dwell in your heart by faith. So that that Jesus the Christ will be at home in your heart. Can somebody live in your house and you not know them in your your house? Can somebody be at home, and that's another word, be at home in your house or in your life and you not know that they're there? Why would the Holy Spirit have given Paul those words if he didn't intend for us to understand it in the way that we would mean it? Take it to me. Paul is saying, I'm, I'm praying that you'll be strengthened by the work of the Spirit of Jesus inside your heart so that the result will be you'll know You'll know, you'll know that Jesus is alive and present and active and operative in you. He's not off out there somewhere. He's right here. And it's not a faith thing. It's a felt thing. Not a felt thing. Not a, not a what did I say? It's a felt thing is where I'm going with that. Not a thought thing, but a felt thing. Because here's why that's important. 
if we are not sensing the presence of the Spirit's power, the Spirit of Jesus' power in us, then we're not going to be any different than we are right now. Forgiven, but powerless. Forgiven, but powerless. But folks, listen. The reason Simon Peter could stand up and others could, could, could declare the witness after they were filled with power is because they knew something was going on inside of them. And the very place where they had known fear and they had been paralyzed by failure, now there was the presence of someone. There was the presence of the living Lord Jesus, and he was doing what he was doing through them in his power. I want you to notice a chapter in the Gospels. This is Luke chapter 22. Luke chapter 22. Verse 50, 54. And having arrested him, Luke 22, 54, having arrested Jesus, they led him away and brought him to the house of the high priest. But Peter was following at a distance. And after they had kindled a fire in the middle of the courtyard and had sat down together, Peter was sitting among them. And a certain servant girl, seeing him as he sat in the firelight, and looking intently at him, said, This man was with him too. But he denied it, saying, Woman, I do not know him. And a little later, another said to him, saw him, and said, You are one of them too. But Peter said, Man, I am not. And after about an hour had passed, another man came, began to it began to insist, saying, Certainly, this man was also with him, for he's a Galilean too. Must have recognized the accent. But Peter said, Man, I do not know what you're talking about. And immediately, while he was still speaking, a cock crowed. And the Lord turned and looked at Peter. And Peter remembered the word of the Lord and how he had told him, before cock crows today, you will deny me three times. And he went out and wept bitterly. Hold your spot. Remember that that's there. Luke 22. And go to Acts chapter 4. The book of Acts chapter 4. Jesus was crucified, he was buried, he was raised again, and Acts chapter 1 will say for 40 days, Jesus taught Peter and John, the rest of the apostles, and the rest of the gathered group, probably 120 or so, taught them the things concerning the kingdom of God. And then he summarized it after those days of teaching, the last thing he said you shall receive power. He had to explain the meaning of the cross to them. Don't, don't, don't be trying to say, oh, they weren't saved. That they, they weren't really forgiven. That they weren't really the church, which is 
is taught and spoken as if it's categoric truth. Well, Paul said, here's the gospel, that we believe that he died on the cross for our sins, that he was buried, and that he was raised again on the third day. You believe those three things, and you enter into the blessing and the fulfillment, at least the beginning of the gospel. How in the world could these folks who were looking at Jesus not believe that he had been raised from the dead? They knew he had been crucified. He had to have taught them that my blood was poured out for the payment of sins. I was in the tomb for those three days, and he was speaking to them, resurrected, alive. Folks, the ones who were listening to Jesus, who were paying attention to him, had to have been saved. They had to have had the work of the Spirit, at least in conversion, working inside them. For so long, we've heard this teaching in parts of the evangelical church. Well, you just, you just get everything you're ever going to get once you pray to receive Jesus. Excuse me? We get access to everything because we are brought into the family of God. But why in the world, why in the world, unless you're trying to fit some theological interpretive system, why would you mess with these words of Jesus and try to fit them into a system? They were born again. They had repented. They had turned to Jesus. But Jesus was saying, there's something you don't have yet. You know my forgiveness, but you need to know my power in you. You need to know my power, and I'm promising you my power. I'm offering to you my power. I'm saying to you, it is the, as Paul would write in that Titus 3 verse, that it is the renewing by the power of the Holy Spirit. It's a part of the whole. It's it's all about being saved. But if all we get is forgiveness and we've never tapped into the power over sin to keep us from having to go back to the junk, then we're still sinners captured by sin. Jesus has come to set the captive free. Jesus has come to set the captive free, all right? And so here we find them following the instruction of Jesus to pray. They took personally and they took seriously his words about the promise of power, the power of the Holy Spirit, the power of the Spirit of Jesus being poured upon them. The power of the exalted Christ, the resurrected Christ, the one who has the name above every other name, the Spirit of Jesus, the one who has had everything placed under his feet, every name under his feet, every entity of every dimension under his feet, the Spirit of the champion Jesus, the Spirit of the undisputed heavyweight champion of the universe, his Spirit filling them. And so they prayed. And I believe for those 10 days that they were praying, they were asking him for the promise, the promise of the Father. Same thing that John the Baptist has said, I baptize you with water, but there's one coming who is mightier than me. I'm not worthy to untie his shoes, but when he comes, he'll baptize you, he'll drench you on the inside of who you are with his spirit and with fire. They didn't know what in the world that meant. They didn't know all of what that had to be involved. But that's what they were doing. For those days, they were praying. 
Lord, you're assigning us to be witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and other parts of the world. And Lord, we're scared to get out of our house. They would say that the, the windows and the doors were barred and locked for fear of the Jews. Fear had paralyzed them. Simon Peter's fear of failing again could have been operating again. Me and my big mouth, me and my big mouth, me and my big mouth. You ever said that? Ever felt that? Jesus was saying, there's power coming, there's power coming, there's power coming. You shall be filled with power. It was not an if, it, it it was a declaration of the heart of the Lord Jesus that he had accomplished forgiveness on the cross. But now when he would be exalted to the right hand of the Father, reclothed with all of his authority that he had before Bethlehem, and it would be from that place that he would pour out his spirit upon his people and into the church, into these ones forgiven, going to heaven, but powerless. Some folks will say, and I, and I know, I've had the, the, the testimony over the years of, of a wonderful group of many who it would seem as if this happens on the, at the same time. When they came to know Jesus, they opened their hearts to him. Jesus moved in. They sensed his presence. The freedom came. The deliverance from habits and attitudes and so forth left them. And they just started walking a brand new life from day one. Many others, probably many more, have given the testimony. I received Jesus as my Savior, but I still fought with this thing and that thing and the other thing for a long time in my Christian life. I wasn't a pagan. I was a Christian wanting to follow the Lord, but I kept having this struggle. Hebrews 12 would talk about Getting, setting aside the, 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 the weights and the sins which so easily beset us. Some sins you're more a sucker to than somebody else may be on that same sin. But the weakness, somehow, that place. And so the story can be, I battled those things. And, and, and I kept confessing. I, I would feel guilty and I would keep on confessing. But there was no power over the power of that sin until until I started discovering this. That the Lord wants me, the Lord invites me to ask the helper to help. To cry out for the helper, another name for the Holy Spirit, the spirit of the invisible Jesus to help me at this place. Folks, he never said, I'm leaving you as an orphan, so you're on your own. He never said that. Paul would say, I can do all things. I can do everything I'm supposed to do because of the power, because of the strength that he is giving to me. There is strength. There is strength. There is strength he wants to give. They prayed. They prayed. They took personally. They took personally the promise. They took seriously the promise. And they prayed until on the day of Pentecost, 
the Spirit was poured out. Like a rushing mighty wind, you can read that in Acts, start of Acts chapter 2. Rushing mighty wind, tongues of fire in the room. And then it says, and, and, and they, they began, they began to speak. They began to, then it goes, speak with other tongues, the great things of God. Some folks had all hung up on that. But that, that's not repeated every time the story, the account of the Spirit being poured out on a group. It's, it's not tongues every time. It's not. The Apostle Paul, before he was the Apostle Paul, in Acts chapter 9, Ananias came to him to pray for him and to say, the Lord has sent me here after Paul had, Saul had met Jesus on the road. He said for me to lay hands so that you may regain your sight and be filled with the Holy Spirit. And there's not one mention of Paul and Saul in that case speaking with an unknown tongue. And that's for a reason. The Spirit will do different things with different people at different times. Anything He's done before, He flat can do again. And we need to, He's God, we're not. But the point is here, the Spirit was poured out and they began to speak. What does that say? That say there was freedom. As the Spirit filled them, the fear of the situation that they were in to hide was broken. The shame was broken. He would go on a little bit to say later and say that Simon Peter takes his stand and he begins to explain. Well, Grace Scott, Simon Peter, the last time we hear much about him, he's over here denying that he even knew Jesus. But we find him, watch this at Acts chapter 4. I'm not, I'm not going to keep you much longer, but they... Peter spoke, Peter preached. There were many that came to know the Lord on that day as a result of their speaking fearlessly, speaking with freedom. They were following Jesus then into the places where he wanted them to be. And until we get the victory over the fear, there may be a whole bunch of places that the Lord wants to take us that we'll never get to because we're locked away in fear or fear of failure. And the Lord has a great future. But we're locked away by the enemy's lies that I'm, I'm never, I don't, I can't do this on my own. The truth is, we can't do it on our own. But filled with the Spirit, the power of Jesus inside us, there's nothing that He can assign us that we can't do. That's the hope. That's the hope. Well, so Peter preaches, many are saved. Acts chapter 3, Peter and John are going to the temple. You remember the story? And the, land, the man who had been lame from his mother's womb was there begging alms. Peter said, silver and gold have I none, but what I do have I'm going to give to you. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, you rise up and walk. He rose up and he started walking and leaping and praising God. A crowd gathered in the temple area. Peter preached to them, and another 5,000 folks came to know the Lord on that occasion. Well, the Jewish leaders heard about it, threatened them, they, they, and so they arrested Peter and John. Now get this. Sometimes the Lord just to show us how free he has set us and how great is his power within us, sometimes he can send us right into our worst nightmare. And in that setting that used to terrify us, that used to shut us down, now something else is going on better yet. Somebody else is at work inside you. Listen to this. Same faces, Nobody's changed that had done what they did to Jesus. Verse 7, Acts 4. And when they had placed them in the center, they began to inquire, 
By what power or in what name have you done this? Then Peter, look, filled with the Spirit, filled with the Holy Spirit. We might put in Luke 22, but Peter, filled with himself, denied the Lord three times. Filled with his own great attention, intentions, but not having the ability to fulfill those desires. Here, but Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit said to them, rulers and elders of the people, if we are on trial today for a benefit done to a sick man as to how this man has been made well, let it be known to all of you and to all the people of Israel that by the name of Jesus Christ the Nazarene, whom you crucified, talk about in your face, in your face, whom you crucified, whom God raised from the dead, by this name, this man stands here before you in good health. He is the stone. Jesus is the stone which was rejected by you, the builders, and which became the very cornerstone. And there is salvation in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven that has been given among men by which we must be saved. Now watch this. Now as they observed the confidence of Peter and John and understood that they were uneducated and untrained men, they were marveling and began to recognize them as having been with Jesus. And seeing the man who had been healed standing with them, they had nothing to say in reply. Verse 18, and when they had summoned them, brought them back, commanded them to speak no more in the name of Jesus. When they had command, when they had summoned them, they commanded them not to speak or teach at all in the name of Jesus. But, <laughs> but Peter and John answered and said to them, whether it is right in the sight of God to give heed to you rather than to God, you be the judge. For we cannot stop speaking what we have seen and heard. Now, there wasn't much else that they hadn't seen and heard, Peter hadn't seen and heard, back in Caiaphas' garden. What's the difference between Luke 22 and Acts chapter 4? The difference is is the power of the living Jesus coming to possess a man, coming to fill, meaning to take over a man, to destroy the works of the devil, keeping him paralyzed in fear and in shame. Folks, these stories about these men and these women who were used of God to start the church in those days, that was not supposed to be just for them and we all these centuries later are supposed to just read these stories and go, my, my, my. Instead, it's saying, Lord Jesus, I want some of that. I want some of that. I need some of that. 
fill me with your power. Let me tell you something. No amount of going to Bible studies, no amount of fellowship with Christian friends, no matter how long you've lived in the Bible Belt, will take the place of the filling of the Spirit of Jesus in your heart to win you and to get you free and keep you free from the struggles that have defeated us. So if there's a holy dare, if there's such a thing as a holy dare, I would dare you. Take your problem, take your struggle, or the struggle of someone you love, and wrap this Acts book, this New Testament, across your chest and pray, Jesus, do it in me. 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 Because obviously, the other way hadn't worked or we wouldn't be having this discussion. Let me tell you something else. Satan knows when he is outgunned. And he will never be outgunned by our determination, by our efforts, by our quoting the Scripture. Jesus would say, the devil understands the Scriptures. The demons know the Scriptures and they tremble. But what he can't handle is when Jesus answers the door. When instead of you answering the door every time, here it comes again, here it comes again, you just determine, Lord, fill me, and I'm sending you the door. I believe it's true. Once he figures out that what he's been beating you up with isn't working anymore because you're tapping into the power of Christ to live in you, then he's liable to back off, move on down the road, worry somebody else crazy. Jesus, fill me. Jesus, if you then being evil. Now here's, this, is, this is so much at the heart of it, folks. We're so instant. We're so, I do it once. Well, I did it once and it didn't work. Jesus said, if you then being evil, Luke eleven thirteen, 13, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father who is in heaven give the Holy Spirit to those who are asking Him. Asking as a process throughout the day, a hundred times during the day and night. Lord, fill me. Lord, give to me your Spirit. Here He comes again. Here He comes again. Here she comes again. Here comes that memory again. Here comes that again. Fill me, Jesus. Fill me, Jesus. Fill me, Jesus. And you realize as that works that more freedom, more confidence, more of a sense of a joy toward the future rises in your heart. I got to tell you one story, and I'm done. My granddaddy preacher. Lived in Jackson, Mississippi. He and 
he and granny, they were granny and papa to us. He was a character. He was a character. About this tall, about as big around as a microphone stand, but he was a, he was a stick of dynamite. And uh, he'd pastor a church until he made enough of them mad that they'd run him out or you know, not want him anymore, and he'd go into evangelism, and then he'd come back to pastor. He just, just, just spoke the truth. <laughs> I guess that genetically is where I got some of the reason I've gotten into some of the troubles I've gotten into over the years, but apple, apple in the tree. But I remember when he was an older fellow, you know, probably in his 90s, early 90s, there was a lady who lived next to him. And as he said, she had a dog that was bad to bark. A dog that was bad to bark meant just kept the neighborhood up, kept him up all night, cat walk through or squirrel up in a tree, and the dog would just light up. So what he did was he, he, he said that he went over, he said, I went over to the neighbor, lady neighbor. <laughs> he said, he said, ma'am, I, I can break your dog from barking. If you'll let me. She said, well, what are you going to do? He said, well, I got a BB gun on my back porch that I use to keep the blackbirds and the blue jays out of my figs and out of my tomatoes. And I believe if you'll just let me, the next time that dog of yours lights up, if you'll just let me step outside, get the dog looking at me, and shoot that dog in the rear end, I believe I can break him. Now, for all the animal lovers, of which I am greatly one of those, a BB gun not going to hurt anybody, but this is a full-grown he-dog with a loud mouth. And it was just, it was just, a, it just stinging. He knew it wasn't going to kill a dog. I had to go to the vet. Just, it was just a sting. Well, she said, well, okay. <laughs> oh, she must have been tired of it too. So the next time the dog lit up, my granddaddy picked up his BB gun and stepped out, screened in porch, and made the dog, got the dog to look at him. He picked up the BB gun, shot that dog right in the rear end. The dog yelped, looked over at him, and ran under the house. Well, a day or two later, maybe the next day, maybe the next afternoon, who knows, the dog lights up again. Papa goes back. He gets his BB gun. He steps out, and he waits till the dog looks at him, and then he shoots that dog again in the rear end. Yep. Goes under the house. About the third try, the dog starts it up again. This time, Papa steps outside, looks at the dog, and just acts like he's going to raise the gun, and the dog shut up and hightailed it under the house. From then on, all Papa had to do <laughs> when the dog would bark was step outside and just look at the dog. <laughs> and that was it. The dog quit barking. The neighborhood was at rest. You say, Pastor, what does that have to do with? Here's what that has to do with. The dog is like the devil, and you are like the one who has another weapon in your hands. And there can be a time when he realizes that it ain't working anymore. He's not acting. She's not doing like she used to do. 
Satan is not omnipresent, and he is not omnipotent. He's not everywhere, and he's not all-powerful. He cannot resist effectively someone who stands in the name of Jesus. You be that one. Lord, thank you for the time today. Thank you for your word. Thank you for your, the work of your spirit, we pray, in fire and power into our hearts. I ask you, Lord, to open the eyes of some who have been so discouraged, live for so long in such defeat, for ones who have been paralyzed by fear and failure. Lord, all of us can have a share in that at some level. We open that up to you and we confess this sin where we have refused to give to you. We've tried to do it on our own. Forgive us for our self-sufficiency in that regard. And Lord, we pray, give to us your spirit, Lord. Pour out your spirit into us, Lord. Fill us with your spirit. And by the power of you, Lord Jesus, the works of the devil would be destroyed in our hearts. In Jesus' name, amen. In Jesus' name, amen. Here's your question. You're going to live in Luke 22, or are you going to aspire to live in Acts chapter 4? Same man, no power, lots of power. We know about Simon Peter today because he tapped into the power of the Spirit in his life. May we be that man and that woman. Prayer partners, if you would join us here at the front, we'd just love being able to do this again. If you need someone to pray with you, make your way out of the aisles. Come down here and let us pray with you. We look forward to seeing you on Friday night, if you can make it, and then certainly Easter Sunday morning. As many of us as can get here, great. If you need to be home, you be home. That's your choice. God bless you for being a part of the Alamo City family today. Amen.